Hello and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast, where we like to discuss all things championship football and, of course, our beloved Birmingham City. Uh, it's been a mixed bag this week for Blues uh, in midweek. Uh, they took on the mighty Fulham at St Andrews, uh, and it's safe to say, uh, well, it was a tough night. We were there. It was a well, tough one to take. Um, but the podcast, uh, we've got a great show for you. Plenty to talk about. We are joined by a very special guest today, uh, Tommy Mooney. Uh, I'm sure some Blues fans will remember him. Uh, Tommy, how are you? Good, thanks, fellas. How are you both? Yeah, doing well, mate. Very, well. very good. Thank you. Yeah, and there's plenty for us to talk about. And obviously, uh, uh, um, you, you were, uh, you're a legend at Watford, I think we can say. Uh, and you must be very familiar with a certain Troy Deeney. So we'll be certainly um, discussing him. Uh, and of course, discussing his uh, first goal for the Blues uh, during the pod. Uh, so you've got all of that to look forward to. Um, Joe, how are you feeling about today's pod? Uh, I mean, I'm very excited to have Tommy with us. Uh, mm. Hugely grateful that he's spared his time for us. However, you know, knowing what we're going to what we're going to talk about later uh, is, <laughs> you know, apparently some Premier League team is playing in the Championship now. Uh, I heard that's the that's the news going about. It's not fair what's going on with Fulham, but we're going to get onto that at some point. Absolutely, yeah. There's there's a lot for us to discuss, and we'll we're going to get straight into it after this. Hello and uh, welcome back to the Royal Blue podcast and um, as we said in the intro we're very very uh, happy and very excited to be joined by Tommy Mooney uh, on today's episode. Um, so we're going to get straight into it. I think the best place for us to start would be to talk about the, the most recent result uh, and to talk about Troy getting off the mark. So Tommy, um, <laughs> what, what do you make to begin with? What do you make of Troy's move to Birmingham uh, and um, do you, what do you think he can bring to, to the Blues side? I think it's a, it's a great move for Troy and I think it could be an even better move for Birmingham City. I think, you know, with Jukovic and, and Hogan up front, you've got two threats in the championship, but bringing Troy Deeney in, it's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole new uh, emphasis on, on the striker role. Mm. He's a different type of player to the, two, to the two lads. He's a big lad, but he can play, he can come a little bit deeper. So I think it's another string to the attacking bow and I think it's, you know, really smart between um, Bo and, and guards getting him over the line. And obviously everybody knows about Troy's history with the club. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard it enough over the years from him. So I'm delighted that he's got, got to wear the badge and he doesn't have to cover up the tattoo anymore. So it's... <laughs> It's brave. It's brave, I think, to get any sort of uh, football um, tattoo, especially of a, a team like Blues that we know, you know. The, the... <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's a, it was a bold decision. Yeah, from him. yeah. But one thing I do have to ask about, about him, I don't know how long before the announcement of the termination of his contract and, and what have you, it were that they knew it was going to happen because in the, certainly in the first game, not so much in the Fulham game, and he came on earlier than I thought he would. Uh, how, because... Is he lacking maybe a little bit of match fitness? Will he grow into will he grow into that? Or is it just is it just a part of his game that that we've got to get used to at Blues that he's gonna maybe be just a bit more less, maybe less involved in the build-up play, but more in the more in the box? Yeah, I don't think uh, he's not played much football in pre-season. So he, yeah, match sharpness probably probably is is closer to the truth. 
I don't think he's lacking in fitness. I know he's worked really, really hard over the summer. Last year was a, a difficult year for him, which sounds strange because he got promoted back to the Premier League as captain of Watford. But because of his injury, I know he was more, he was more valuable to the team off the pitch than he was on it. And I do certainly envisage him being a big bonus and benefit for, for Birmingham off the pitch too. But I, I certainly see him playing a lot of football this season. He he can be that talisman. Mm. You know, Hogan's got, got the nine, but he, he can be, Deeney can be the focal point. Mm. Um, and he likes that pressure. Mm. Essentially, if he, if he did, couldn't cope with pressure, he wouldn't go to Birmingham. You know, that's, that's very true. the biggest part of this move. He's not he's not scared by it. He's not frightened by it. And he's confident he, he'll score goals. And getting off, off the mark in his second game is is great because no matter how experienced or confident you are as a striker, when you get off the mark, that's the most important thing. Yeah, that's, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? I think... Um... Clearly, um, <laughs> he said in previous interviews that, you know, he probably wouldn't want to go to Birmingham because of the pressure. But I think you're absolutely right when you say that's the exact kind of pressure that really a character like Troy Deeney will thrive off. Um, and he really seems to be uh, G'd up. You know, he's, he's only made two substitute appearances so far this season, but you can see the, the passion he has. You can see uh, the effect he has on the other players as well. It's, it's, it's there for everyone to see. Uh, and, and just getting off the mark last night, we know in the 4-1 defeat to Fulham, uh, he scored a late penalty for Birmingham. Um, we talked a little bit off air about his sort of penalty technique, and I'd just like to drill down a bit more into that. Um, <laughs> and, and also talk about how he might fit into the size. Um, we've, as you mentioned, we've got Jukovic uh, and Hogan and Chucks and Eki as well as options up, up front. Do you think out of those three, there's an ideal partner? Because as you say, Dini himself can be a sort of target, a target man like Jukovic. Hogan offers a bit more mobility. Do you think there's an ideal partner for for um, for Troy uh, in, that's already at the Blues uh, Blues team? I I always think you know when people talk about partnerships, you talk about in, from my era it'd be you know the one that comes to mind would be like Quinn and Phillips or you know Shearer and Sutton. Yeah. I, I think partnerships are not necessarily, and I judge this by my experience of, of playing with many, many different types of strikers. The best partnership is the one where they're both scoring. Mm -hmm. So it, it really doesn't phase me one way or the other where you, at Blues, I played with Jeff Horsfield and then I played with, with Stern John. So, yeah. and then I would go wide on the left. It really doesn't matter as long as you're scoring goals and winning games. And I think, you know, Troy's come off the bench in his first two games because Hogan and Jukovic had a good start. And I was I was at the the, uh, the game against Derby um, last Friday night. And in the first half, they were excellent, the pair of them. Mm. So, like, Troy coming on, it was when the game's, the game's won and just and holding on to it. But I don't envisage that. I think there'll be a rotation of players, but not necessarily because of fitness, I think it's probably because Lee Bowyer has got enough experience and knowledge to know what he needs in what game and at what time. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily say that Troy can't play with Jukovic because they're both big guys, because Troy can come short and his link yeah. play is exceptional. Mm -hmm. um, but he'll also run in behind like Scotty does. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think on paper there's an ideal partnership. Right. The best one is the one where they're both scoring goals and the team's winning. And for me, that's, you know, that's the most important thing. 
Yeah, it sounds delightfully simple, but I don't think it does, it. doesn't it? You know, you you want your you want your strikers to be scoring goals, and I suppose that if there is something to take from from Blues' start to the season, maybe it is. I mean, obviously we we smashed Luton Town, but maybe it is. It's great for me as an Equot player. That was the best. Yeah, that must have been. That must have been a that must have been a fantastic, uh, fantastic evening for you for sure. And uh, I know it was for for, for us anyway. And uh, I know that at Birmingham. There's, there's, we've got the problem at the moment in the stadium of, of we've got half of it still closed due to yeah. you know, ongoing construction work. Is it safe and all that? So the first time that it's full, the kind of reception that Troy is going to get, like he, like I, he strikes me as the kind of player that's going to, that's going to really use that to take his game to another level almost. I think as well, yeah, on that point, it's that's why I think he wanted to take that penalty last night. He wanted to get that sort of monkey off his back. It's only a second appearance, of course, but he wants <laughs> to get that first goal and get the ball rolling, so to speak. Um, what does that mean to a striker getting your first goal? Because getting off the mark must be so, like, for, your, for yourself in your own head, that must be so important. Yeah, it, it is. It's massive when you go into a new club. Um, not so much... If you've been at the club a couple of years, you still want your first goal of the season. But your first goal for your new club is is massively important, for, just from a selfish personal point of view, because you take the pressure off yourself, where other people don't put you under pressure to score in your first game, because they think, well, it'll come at some point. But as, as an individual, you do put yourself under that huge pressure, um, and it also, you know, it's just relief when you get that first goal. Knowing Troy how I do, he'll be disappointed in the way it came about, a consolation goal, but he's also got his first goal of the season in his second appearance, having probably only played, what, less than, well, less than an hour, certainly. Yeah. So penalty or not, he, he doesn't care. I wouldn't care, um, but it's vital. I know during my Blues time, you know, I was, I think I had four goals in my first five games and then broke my ankle. So there's a relevance to all of it, but that I was under huge pressure coming to Birmingham because I came on a Bosman leaving Watford and we were building a team to try and get that promotion. So I knew that I was under more pressure from myself than I was from Trevor Francis or the Birmingham supporters or the owners. So for, for Troy's, from Troy's point of view, I just think it's, it, it is a weight off the back, like you say. Um, and also, there is a little bit of disappointment that it's not full St Andrews because full St Andrews, I was lucky during my time there, it was full every week. Well, perhaps not every week at the beginning of the season, but <laughs> as we were going towards promotion at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, it was it it was absolutely jumping, mm. and and which was my experience of the stadium when Watford played Birmingham in the playoff semi-finals when Watford won on penalties and we went on to win at Wembley, that atmosphere that night, as soon as I got the call from Birmingham, it pushes you in that direction because of the supporters and because of that noise. And, you know, Troy and I have had that conversation. He, he can't wait to see a full St. Andrews and they will be singing his name. Yeah. We'll have to work on a, a good chant. I think so. We were talking about it yesterday. Has, has he got a chant with the Blues yet? I don't think he has. Nothing's really caught on yet, but I'm sure they're working on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it is a real shame that his arrival has, has come at a time when the ground isn't quite ready. Um, but 
as you say, that, that is something to really look forward to and, and might, might give the team a, a boost uh, at the right sort of time of the season. If it's, you know, it might be around Christmas time when there's a lot of fixtures coming and there's a bit of rotation, a bit of tiredness setting in, it might give them that extra, extra boost. So that's, yeah, we'll have to see, have to see how that progresses. Um, I think it, as well, it, we, we wanted to sort of just look at some other sort of championship news um, just to go slightly uh, in a different direction. We hear that uh, Chris Hewton has just lost his job at uh, Nottingham Forest. A very, very tough start to the season for them. Um, and we know that Blues have also had it, had it tough in the championship and come very close themselves um, to relegation <laughs> and have had to, have had to you know, um, themselves change management a lot. In your experience, how, 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 how difficult is it really to, to, to lift a team, to change their fortunes if the season seems to be going a certain way? Uh, is a change of manager the right answer all the time? I mean, the modern game, we see it managers come and go. It's happened at Watford um, a lot down the years. <laughs> it, More so than anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so, actually. So really, I'm just curious to hear sort of your thoughts on on that sort of this, this, this culture of managerial change every five seconds. And if there's really... <sighs> Uh, is, is there is there more that players can do? Is there more that the that coaching staff can do? Is there is you know is there a, a different angle on this? I think the game's changed in the fact that it's almost a race for success with clubs now. So they overlook the f- fundamentals and think right, we can't swap fifteen players out in one go, but we can get rid of a manager and his coaches. And I, I know Chris, you know from his his time at Birmingham, I was working at, at the club then. Um, great bloke, really does genuinely put fundamentals into a football club. Um, I've also had dealings with the owners at, at Nottingham Forest, so I can see where that conflict comes comes about. Mm. Um, but in general, I think that's the, the crux of the tale is it's easier to get rid of maybe four or five members of staff yeah. um, than it is certainly to replace your players certainly a lot cheaper than, yeah, than yeah. replacing your players. But the owners that come in, particularly from abroad, they want success and they want it today. They don't want it mm. tomorrow. They want it today. And mm. probably that's their first choice. I mean, you could argue that the, the start that Nottingham Forest have had, it, it was only a matter of time. Um, if they hadn't turned it around immediately. So yeah, that's a disappointing one knowing mm-hmm. Chris. Um, but, it just that's just the way that the game is now. It's not you won't get a, a an Alex Ferguson or a, or a Graham Taylor anymore who's given time to to build clubs. You know, perhaps maybe Daishi at Burnley is the the only remaining one. Interesting that you said that. It was announced today he's just signed a new contract with Burnley to twenty twenty five now, and he's been right. there already for a good solid what six years, I reckon. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah, in the modern game, that is a long time. <laughs> To be fair, da- Daishi's so hard, though. If he wants something, he'll go into the office. It's a brave man to sack Daishi, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're probably yeah. scared of him, I reckon. He runs that club. That gravel and his, gravel and his voice, he'll just get what he wants. But he's, he's done tremendously well by sticking to his fundamentals, his philosophies. You know, every team in, in the country, pretty much, Premier League and further down, has changed their system. Daishi's played 4-4-2 week in, week out. The players know exactly what they're doing. He, he Because of that, he he wouldn't be looking to recruit a wing-back because he doesn't play with wing-backs. You know, it's it, it, it's the simples of football. It's often said it's a simple game, but it's 
it's quite difficult to keep it simple. Mm. And he knows what he wants. He knows what he wants of his players and his players know what he wants of them. So that makes it a little bit easier. But I, 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 I see, I, I do see similarities between him and, and Lee Bowyer in the way that, you know, the, the players seem to appreciate the manager's honesty, um, which I think it's far more rare in the game now than it, than it ever was during my era. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I think I, I saw an interview with Scott Hogan, I think in pre-season, uh, where he talked about the difference between um, a conversation he had with Aitor Karanka and a conversation he's had with Lee Boyer. Now, Aitor Karanka was sort of assigning him a, a tally of goals to sort of <laughs> aim for, whereas Lee, Lee has just said to him, just go out there and do your thing. We're not going to put any sort of numbers on it. I just want you to go out there and, and do your best and, and try to get yourself a goal, you know. Um, do, 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 have you ever experienced that with a manager where they've tried to sort of prescribe you numbers or targets or do you do that yourself? Uh, what, what was your sort of mentality around that, that sort of thing? No, I, you do it yourself. You also know you need a certain number of goals to stay in the team because if you're not in the team, you're not going to add to your total. <laughs> you know, it's the, ba- the basics of it. So mm. I, I went through, during my career, I went through all sorts of things. I went on runs where I scored seven games on the trot maybe half a dozen times. I also had runs. I, I went 16 games without scoring, but stayed mm. in the team. So you, there's there's pros and cons for both, but a manager will never put a player under as much pl- pressure as a player puts under himself. Mm. Mm. You know, it's it, it's very, very simple. We've already talked about how important the first goal is. Yeah. The next goal, it, the next goal is just as important because you don't want to be you don't want to score on your debut and then still have one goal after 10 games because you, you're already going to be playing the last 15, 20 minutes of it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And you mentioned those sort of barren runs where you you know, you know can't quite find the, the back of the net. How, how does a striker sort of keep themselves going? Is it just hoping that they can get on the end of something or find a tap-in just to get the, the, the ball rolling again? Is, is it that kind of mentality or is it other ways you can help the team or something like that? Um, I- I personally, I just, I used to practice a little bit more, perhaps too much where you were coming off the training pitch a little bit drained because you'd hit so many um, balls. You, you know, you, you obviously I was left footed. My, my left eye would be sore mm. because I just wanted to keep hitting the net. But then once you score, you think I, I'm incredibly superstitious and as are many other players. So you think, right, well, I've hit, 100 balls on my own last week and I've scored so I need to hit 100 balls more this week and it just gets worse and worse it's right, like a right. domino effect you can never you never get out of any of the the fundamentals that you set on the training ground or in the um, in the games I think the only thing that perhaps changes is if you're not scoring you come a little bit deeper which doesn't help the team because you want to come and get involved in the game mm. And playing as a nine, that doesn't really help the team. And I, I was often told that, you know, I can understand you've not scored, you're trying to get involved in the game, but don't come deep. And I think that's when it starts affecting the team yeah. more than the person. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, I've had that discussion with, with Troy over the last couple of seasons. When he was, when he was finding things tough at, at Watford, he was coming a little bit too deep. As soon as he starts playing on the last man and doing what he's good at, he'll get his goals. 
So, and I think that that's, that's all around. You'd always have a laugh and a joke and say, well, one will go in off your backside any minute. And I literally had never seen that happen until a couple of weeks ago. And my son's at Leamington now and he'd gone three games. That just tells you the different levels. Mm. He's like 22 year old. He'd gone first three games after joining a new club and not scored. Mm. And then literally somebody had a shot. It hit his backside and went in. <laughs> and then he scored two games on the trot after that. Wow, wow. So it's, it is, it, whatever level you're at, whatever age you're at, it does affect you. Mm. And it's, there's no right answers, no wrong answers to what you do. It just, just get, get your head down, get through it and get on with it. But yeah. that's where the support has helped. Mm. I suppose you know, that at, at every level, the, the fundamentals of football remain the same. It's just the, you know, maybe it's the quality that changes, I suppose, as you, the higher up you get. The, the quality and, and I suppose the pressure from other people, but on yourself, you're going to, you're going to put pressure on yourself. I mean, I play Sunday league football, you know, I still put pressure on myself to, to keep a clean sheet every game, you know, and, uh, uh, and you mentioned your son there, Kelsey, uh, he, he, he's also a striker, as you mentioned. Yeah. So yeah. have, I, I imagine that having you around, have you given him, I imagine you must have given him loads of advice and, uh, on movement and, and, and attitude towards games. what Can you give us a little insight as to what you would have maybe given to him? Uh, I've given him loads of advice. I'm not sure how much of he's, he's listened to. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, turn it in, Dad. I've heard this all before. <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, you do. You try and pass things on. But he, he made his league debut and scored his first league goal aged 18. So he was doing particularly well at that time. And then through various injuries and... And, and things he's he's now 22 and playing at Leamington but loving his football so now I can just go I just go and watch him and enjoy my son play I don't think like a coach where when he was younger I was thinking like a coach and that was hard work for me now as long as he's all right I'm I'm fine with it you know and I think that that sometimes managers and coaches are like that with players certainly the more experienced ones you know I've brought you to the club to do this job. Go and do it for me. And that makes the player feel so much more, so much better and so much more confident about what's required of him in the squad. Mm. You know, if, if Troy doesn't get 15 goals, but Birmingham get promoted, so what? It doesn't really matter. It's the team that's important. Um, and if, if they share them out, you know, between Scotty, Jukovic and, 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 and Dini, and they get, I don't know, 35 goals between the three of them. That's also a good season for going forward. Mm. You know, everybody likes to say they have the 20 goal a season, man, but not many clubs do. You know, Fulham do <laughs> in the championship. <laughs> Mitrovic, Mitrovic is that man. Um, is Robinson at West Brom? I'm not sure whether he's a 20 goal a season man. Bournemouth. I don't think uh, Solanke is. I don't think Solanke is. No, there's there's not too many about. Last season, you know, Norwich got promoted. Pookie was on fire. In the Championship, there's all, most teams have one talisman. But Maybe Diaz, Bereton Diaz, should I say, uh, uh, Blackburn. I think he's mm. he's shown his quality for a few seasons now and for, and for his national team. Yeah, but Ben, ben broke, broke on the scene early doors, didn't he, at Nottingham Forest as a young lad. And then he's, he he's had a, little, a tough time because... He was going to Liverpool for big money a couple of years ago and it ended up not happening and that affected him mentally. So he's he's on the combat trail. He's a very good finisher, but he's not a Mitrovic or a Puki. 
you know. So I don't think in the championship this year there is that maybe five or six strikers where you think he'll definitely get 20 goals. Mm, yeah. It's interesting, actually. I, I haven't thought about that no, too much, really. I think, you know, I, I mean, we all know the qualities that, that, that Juki has and that, and that Hogan has. And I think adding, I think one thing that Dini could also add, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he'll bring a bunch of experience as well to teach them, uh, them younger lads. I mean, I think of Tahith Chon, who we've got in on loan. Uh, and I think while they play in fundamentally different positions, the, the attitude that he can instill in, in Chong and in the rest of the squad, that, I mean, I imagine that would be invaluable. I, I, like I said before, I think he, he's just as good a signing off the pitch as he is on it. Troy, and I think, you know, he should be. He's a senior pro. But because of the way his career has, has developed, um, you know, we played together at Walsall. He was, he was a skinny little kid with a big head. He's grown into a into a man who scores goals regularly now. But more than that, I know from him at, at Watford is he'd be at the under 23s games. He'd be helping the young players. He'd be talking to them in training, as will the other experienced players. You know, Harley would be doing the same, um, and several other players. So you, you need that. It's not a particularly young team. This Birmingham one. It's quite an experienced team. Mm-hmm. Um, but there'll also be things that, you know, Chong coming from Man United, there'll be things that he's used to that won't happen at Birmingham. So it's up to the experienced players to say, listen, don't, don't worry about it because you haven't got this or you haven't got that. Just get on and play on a Saturday afternoon or a Tuesday, Wednesday night, and you'll get all of that at some point. So I think that that's where, that's where good senior pros, not all senior, not all senior pros are good pros. But good senior pros are invaluable off the pitch as well as on it when, you know, it gets to the last scary five minutes and you're holding on to a lead or, or whether you're trying to chase into the game with five, ten minutes to go. That's where you get the knowledge and that rubs off on the young players. So that's going to be huge. And again, probably repeating myself, but saying why Troy is a, is a huge signing for, for the Blues. I think uh, I think that is he a big loss for Watford off the pitch? Then have Watford got someone who who can do that kind of off the pitch role, or or have we kind of nicked it? I think Watford's an entirely different prospect now because there's so many different nationalities, so many players that are new to the Premier League. They've signed a lot of midfielders. They've signed a couple of strikers slash wide players. Um. I'm not sure they have that um, Pookie or a Tony that the other promoted clubs have, Norwich and Brentford, at Watford. And that that essentially, for me, will be the key to them staying up or not. Um, I'm really lucky to, to work for Watford at the moment. And, you know, so I, I see every game. Um, and that, for me, is something that they need to improve to stay in the division this season. Added to that, they've lost their talisman, their club captain. Um, it'll be a difficult season for them. Who is the club captain at Watford now? I don't actually know. Tom Cleverley. Cleverley. In the club. Yeah, he's the club captain. And then on Saturday, William Trusty Kong was team captain because Tom wasn't playing. Okay. So they're big, they're big shoes to fill. Oh, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're massive. And, uh, and thank God that we've... Uh... 
that we've taken his feet and put him in our shoes. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I have to say, I mean, when, when True was announced, my first thought was, I mean, obviously, because I'm a massively over-the-top... Um, what, what's the word? I, I always think, I always hope for the best, don't I? You're an optimist. I'm very, I'm very, I'm, I'm very optimistic about yeah. Blues. I said that we'd beat Fulham 3 1 um, last night after after a few beers, I have to admit. <laughs> um, and uh, but I, when Troy first signed, I was like, okay, cool. There's our there's our 25 a goal season striker. You know, I, I and at that, I look at the Watford team. You know, I mean, obviously, you've got you've got one of the most exciting talented wingers in the league and that's in Ismail Assar mm. and that's not an exaggeration either that I mean we saw what it could do to Liverpool when they won the league yeah uh, you've signed Emmanuel Dennis as well who's um uh, who, who's shown his quality already he's quick maybe could work on his finishing for sure what's the feeling around Watford this season of course it's very different to last season where you know last season they were expected certainly within the club to to get themselves back to the Premier League What's the feeling now? What's their what is their bar for success? Oh, like everybody else that will more than likely be in the bottom half of the table, the, the bar for success for them is staying in a division. They've got to establish themselves again as a Premier League team because that one season out of the Premier League, okay, they had five years in the Premier League and they were an established team, they got rege- relegated. So that that becomes zero again mm. they've got to they've got to win home games they must win home games because they're not a team that has an abundance of possession counter attack is their their main threat you, you mentioned Ismaila and Emmanuel lots of pace energy and enthusiasm from from Emmanuel Dennis Sars one of those where he can be unbelievable and unplayable for 15, 20 minutes, but then goes out at a game and then comes back into it later on. So the more he can stay in the game will be huge for Watford. But Sar's a young lad. I think you forget it, forget how young he is because, you know, they paid 30 million for him. People were talking 40, 50 million quid. And he's, he's still only a young lad. He's getting better and better. He's just unbelievably quick. But I think since Cisco Munoz came in, he's learned the defensive side of it as well. So, you know, whether it's Craig Cathcart or uh, Jeremy Ngakia or Feminia playing at right back, he'll help them just as much as they'll help him going forward. So it's about building relationships again, because it is a completely different team. You know, Chalabar left to go to Fulham. Will Hughes has gone to Palace. Um, João Pedro's injured, so not in the squad yet. So they need to build relationships all over the pitch that will ultimately end, hopefully, in them finding a winning formula because that's the key to it. If you win your home games, you stay up. Mathematically, it's quite simple True. like that. And if and you Vicarage can pick Road up is, your points... It's a good ground, actually, Vicarage Road. I've, I've, I have been there a few times in the away end and it's uh, when, when, they get, when the fans are behind them, it, gets re- it really does get bouncing. Um, it does, and it, it, they, they bounce off. I would probably say they're a contrast to St Andrews because every time you were playing at St Andrews, you knew there would be an atmosphere because the, the Blues fans are so passionate and almost to an angry extent. <laughs> in a, I mean that in a good way because that rouses the players, even if there's nothing happening in the game, whereas perhaps Watford supporters are equally as loyal 
but perhaps a little bit more polite. So if the game, if the ball's out of play, it'll be quiet at Vicarage Road. If the ball's out of play at St Andrews, some of the, somebody from the opposition will be getting blasted. Mm. That's yeah, that's was, the difference between the night, two clubs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, even last night we were. I think when the, the the third or fourth goal went in, and the first thing that you heard ringing around, mostly at the Tilton, at the Upper Tilton, to be honest. It was, uh, they were singing keep right on. The moment the ball went in, 4-0 down, and the fans are still going for it, hell for leather. And, um, I mean, I have to say I was disappointed by the Fulham fans. We know they're not, uh, they're not they're not as well followed as some other teams from their area, maybe because of where they are, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they, so they, were, they were kind of drowned out by a half-full St Andrews at times. And we were sat right above them as well. So if anyone was going to hear them, it would have been yeah. it would have been us. But um, I do want to ask then about Watford's next game against Norwich. Yeah. How big is that for like? Because Watford must be looking at that, thinking we have to go and take three points away from Carrow Road. Yeah, I think also the mentality because they went there, performed really well last season. We know that you know Norwich won the league and were arguably the best. 11 players, Watford had a stronger squad, which eventually seen them getting over the line to to automatic promotion, thankfully. So I think they'll go to Norwich, some of the players that are in the squad, less concerned um, about going away from home in the Premier League because for the majority of the players, they've played at Carroll Road before and been successful with their performance. They won't be scared by Norwich. They won't be scared by Brentford. Whereas going to Man United and to Tottenham and Chelsea, not so much Arsenal. Um, <laughs> Relegation rivals this season. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think that that changes the mentality if you have an expectation to win a game. Um, so it's a huge game for them. I don't subscribe to the to the six-pointer. Certainly not at this this stage. But it is a reference point to the teams that that went up. Norwich have the strength of, uh, you know, they're solid at the back. They'll score goals going forward. Watford have just got to outdo them on the day. And that'll set up, you know, they've got Stoke in midweek and then Newcastle at home the following week, which is one of the games also that you'd be confident that you can pick up points in. So it's a big week for Watford, particularly given that, you know, they've only had the the win against Aston Villa on the opening day, which was brilliant, by the way. That was a great day for us. I was celebrating that like, <laughs> it, uh, like it was uh, like it was Birmingham, to be honest. It was uh, it was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. And 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 on that day they were outstanding. You know Matt Target got the drag at half time. He could have got the drag after 15 minutes because Ismail Asar was on fire. He couldn't cope with him. No, Mings and Target just couldn't cope with Dennis and, and Saar. Um, simple as that. Um, Baroni Target got the drag. So, you know, they've got to find that performance. It's more likely that it'll be in a home game, but they've still got to pick up the results. Absolutely. I, could, I, I couldn't agree more. And I do, just staying on the topic of Watford very briefly, uh, they have, Watford have one of the most liked people in the world of football, being Ben Foster, the cycling GK, <laughs> and uh, we did we did talk about it briefly um, uh, over the phone uh, a, a few months ago, Tom, and we were talking about 
Will we be seeing a, a, a GoPro and goal this season in the Premier League? I know there's a whole load of uh, difference with like image rights and stuff and broadcasting rights. Uh, what 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 effect does uh, does Ben Foster's uh, online presence does that have any effect at Watford in like between the players or, or around the club? Does it does it change anything? I don't think it does in any serious way. I think it's just you know, a a bit of banter around the training ground. Um, There was certainly no GoPros even thought of in my day. So it's all, (laughs) it's all new to a a 50 year old bloke, but um, you know, there's so many things that you can do in the championship and you can't do in the Premier League. And and obviously Ben's GoPro in the net would be one of those. Um, But having said that, you know, Daniel Backman was, was probably the number one keeper last season and has started this season so well. But again, we talk about how good Troy is off the pitch. Ben's exactly the same. You know, Watford have got some good senior English old pros, um, Cathcart, Cleverly, uh, and Ben. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it's it's an advantage or a disadvantage, but certainly raised Ben's media media profile to to no end. You know, Has he raised Watford's? Has it brought? Has there been like maybe a noticeable increase in people following Watford purely, maybe because so. of Ben? Yeah, I think it w- wouldn't surprise me, particularly around the world, where mm. all of a sudden you've got access to a football club that you didn't have before. Because because I, I, I've watched it, it is it's quite insightful around, particularly around the training ground. You know, I love watching the documentaries of the Tottenham Sunderland. Uh, QPR one. Oh, I love them. Yeah. They're, they're brilliant because I'm looking forward to the Arsenal one at the end of this season. <laughs> I cannot yeah. wait. That could be awkward, couldn't it? <laughs> uh, but it's it gives. I mean, I've been in in dressing rooms for 30 years, but I still love seeing dressing rooms that I haven't been in because that for me is the best part of the game. You know, that it. I, I don't miss playing football. I miss a winning dressing room, and I miss being in there and problem solving every day mm-hmm. as a senior pro and as a young pro. I just want to go in and play football. So it's, you know, I, I think those documentaries are great. I think Ben's um, certainly media status is great. And I know I've been spoke to him. He absolutely loves it. He, he loves the media side. Mm. Probably more than football, less than his bike. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, 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 that will be his, I've no doubt he'll be extremely successful in whichever media field he chooses to take his cycling GK. Oh, you can see, you can, I, I mean, if he chooses not to be a coach, you can see that he's going to be one of the best pundits in the next five to 10 years. You just know it's going to happen. Uh, and, uh, but the question is, does he love it more than he loves ketchup? Because he's a big fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big fan of ketchup. I, like, <laughs> I, I can't stand the smell of it. I've never been into it. Oh, that's a hot take. Wow. Don't, yeah, don't tell no. Ben, he won't be happy. I uh, know, yeah. Funny enough, it's never come up in conversation when I see Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, ketchup's not for me. I could have it in a burger, but ne- I could never s- see it, if you know what I mean. Oh, well, there's a, there's a headline for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Tommy Mooney, not a fan. That's what we'll call ketchup. the episode. Tommy absolutely. Mooney hates ketchup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. get this. I think, I think uh, that, that's a way to get Ben to listen. I think we get Ben to listen as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, I mean that's that that's great. Uh, me growing up, I've not always followed Birmingham City. I have uh, dabbled in Tottenham Hotspur uh, 
whether that's good or bad. Uh, Brave of you to say so. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's uh, my. It's not my fault. We can all blame my father for that. But uh, there are two ex-Tottenham players, well, recently ex-Tottenham players at Watford, in uh, in Danny Rose and Musa Sissoko, both of whom uh, I feel were treated un- unfairly by uh, uh, by the club at Hotspur Way. Um, Danny Rose in particular as well. And he's another experienced senior professional who on, on the pitch, his, his attitude on the pitch is fantastic. I was at, I was at Stevenage versus Watford in pre-season for some reason. I don't know what train of events took me there, <laughs> um, but it was a pre-season game against the league two team. And he was going hell for leather in some of his tackles and absolutely just destroying some of the Stevenage wingers still drew one all, but we'll gloss over that. Um, what, what kind of impact because they've come from from a club at the other end of the table what kind of impact will that have on the squad i think for 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 danny in particular he just needs to fall in love with the game again mm. and go into a new club gives you the opportunity to do that it's a new lease of life not had to move house which is a huge bonus for mm. for a, certainly an experienced pro um and judging by his last two performances, you know, he's coming back to the Danny Rose that was an international. You know, he was he was outstanding last week against Wolves. Probably the best. In fact, he was the best player on, on the pitch in a Watford shirt. Most influential. Um, so, so for him, I think that's the most important thing because he is a top player, has been a top player, and he's, he's not too old to be a top player again. But he's got to feel wanted and feel loved um, because he's had a tough time. And I think he's on the way to doing that at Watford. Certainly physically, he's improving week after week. He's gone 18 months without playing a game, competitive yeah. game. So that's going to take some getting used to. But judging by last week's performance, he was excellent. Um, and Sissoko's, it, it's a strange one. You know, they, they had uh, six central midfielders in the squad last weekend so they've, a lot. <laughs> they've, they've, they've brought three or four in and they had three or four anyway obviously Chalabar's gone to, to Fulham and Hughes has gone to, to Palace um, cleverly still there so it was it, it's an obviously an area that that they want to invest um, and Sissoko he's always struck me like he, he was he's a far better player playing for France against the, the world's top players yeah, he is. than he was at Newcastle or Tottenham. Mm. So that suggests to me there's a player in there. He just needs that different motivation for your bread and butter match days in, in, in the Premier League. So I think it's a good signing because of his experience and his knowledge. Um, you just hope that he can bring the form that he had perhaps at Newcastle as opposed to his Tottenham form. It is easy to forget that Suzuko is a an experienced international with one of the one of the best national teams of, of certainly the generation just gone. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he, like it, and it, what he's what he provided that team was far more than maybe you'd expect when you look at the form that he had at Spurs. And uh, I think I think there's a great player in there. I've always been a huge fan of him. I mean, I, even when he was struggling at Spurs, he's always held himself in the. Uh, in, in a good way around the club. Um, so I, I've got no doubt that he'll really help Watford this season. Um, let's get back to the championship, shall we? We are a championship pod. 
Definitely. I was going to say, I think uh, I know that we've only got a few minutes left uh, with you, Tommy. We, well, I know you're, we're, you're a busy man. We are not going to keep you too much longer. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, we were obviously at the Fulham game last night. We we more than sort of matched Fulham all over the pitch, but Fulham were just clinical. And, and, and it was those key moments that, that went their way. And now the next game for Blues is a trip to Peterborough. Surely that's a, a great opportunity to get to get back on track and to, to, to get the points on, get some more points on the board. Yeah, but it's a completely different task. And that's the beauty of the Championship. I, lo- I love the Championship. I love watching the Championship more than I love watching the Premier League. Mm. You know, I, I can quite honestly say the, the, the first time I watched Match of the Day was Saturday night just to see Ronaldo's goals for the last four years. Mm. Whereas the Championship, I, I really enjoy. I love playing in it. I, I think I played in it for 10 seasons. Absolutely loved it. But then I was one of those where at times... Um, I suppose if you take the last 18 months for Watford in the Championship and then my first year for Birmingham in the Championship, the Championship was easy, but the Premier League was too hard for me. I wasn't good enough to play in the Premier League on a regular basis. Mm. So I got injured for Watford. And then, you know, Brucey brings in Christophe Dugarry, who's won the Euros in the World Cup. <laughs> well, man, I'm not going to knock on his door and say, <laughs> in the team. Christophe was magnificent. So I, I was one of those players that was honest enough to to say the championship, you know, is where I, I, I'm at my best. Peterborough give you a different, um, uh, certainly a, a opponent and different problems than Fulham do. Fulham are going to have a lot of possession. They've got the best striker in the, in the championship, without doubt, in Mitrovic. Of the Peter- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, close. <laughs> cut, cut that bit out in case he watches it. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll make sure. <laughs> um, Peterborough have got a really hard-working team that are, you know they're not going to give you an easy game, but your players are better than their players. In the Championship, it doesn't, it doesn't work as, as black and white as that because any given day, anybody can beat everybody else. You know, Fulham will lose games to people in the bottom half of the team the table this season Mm. as will West Brom and that's why I love the transition of possession in the championship is fabulous because you go from one end to the other and both teams can score in two minutes Mm. you don't get that in the Premier League because the transition of possession is probably every two or three minutes in the championship it's every 20 or 30 seconds Mm. so that's why I just find it more more exciting and perhaps because I've got more experience at the championship, but that's my personal preference. I'd watch a championship game on the TV over a Premier League game. Yeah. But, I've uh, said that to my family to... before and they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> You've got bright red hair as well. So uh, that yeah, maybe they were out. looking at the bright red hair. <laughs> <laughs> you told the listeners now. So I, uh, I've got bright red hair, yes, uh, and I follow the blues. We're going to gloss over that. Don't worry. I don't it was, I was, I, again, every decision I make, it tends to be after a few beers. This isn't, that's, that's not a great look for me, is it? But uh, no, I Listen, think I'm, I'm sat without a fringe at all, Joe. So <laughs> I, it, I've got to be honest, I wouldn't go for that red, red hair if I had the opportunity. <laughs> well, it, I think yeah, your, your look is certainly far better than mine. I've got to be honest. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, my, I, I might have to, uh, I might have to get a razor and just get get it all off. I can do that. I can do that for you. I do my own every day. Awesome. Well, I'll put, I'll book it in at the the, the Mooney Barber, shall I? Uh, I think. Uh, 
I think, oh, but the, in the championship, I mean, as you were just saying, we saw it uh, for Fulham on the weekend just gone. They uh, they played against Blackpool and they they came away with a one nil loss. Mm. You know, they certainly wouldn't have expected that, and I think that influenced the way they performed last night against against Blues at St Andrews. We're recording this on a Thursday. You'll probably hear it on a Friday. That's why I said last night, um, just to get the disclaimer out there right now. Mm. Um, but one one thing I do want to ask you: obviously, we're what we're seven seven games into the championship now. I think Are there is there a team, excluding you know the people right, the Bournemouth, the Fulham, the West Brom. Is there a team that you look at that you think that that they could be a surprise package this season? They they could they could jump in like kind of like Barnsley last season. Yeah, I think. Barnsley for me was due to the success of the coach mm. him going to West Brom I think that seriously affects Barnsley's chances of doing it again because they were the team that surprised everybody with how strong they were particularly at home um, I don't think there's necessarily one that jumps out QPR's talked about a lot but I'm not sure I, I've got to be honest and say the way that I've seen Birmingham play against Derby they're the team for me. I know this is a Blues... Yeah, that wasn't planned, by the way. That I'm ex-Blues. Can you answer? I get, I get that. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a blue-nose living in Solihull. I get all of that. But Birmingham are my team because of the way that they've developed. The three centre-halves are solid. They've now got Deeney, so they've got three good strikers, minimum. Probably could do with a little bit more ball manipulation in the middle of the pitch. Um, I think Riley McGree will bring that once he's back to full fitness. Yeah, that, that'll come. And if you've got the, the fundamentals of your solid back three and three strikers that are all capable of scoring goals, you know, you can. It, it's easier to put the little bits in the middle if you've got those, because those are the expensive ends of the pitch, for want of a better term, really, to get the players in. So I think the way guards and, and, and Bo have, uh, have, have gone about it, I think it's, it's been great. And then you, there's no try effect yet. The Troy effect will come at some point, so that'll be w- certainly worth looking forward. Looking forward to. I, for one, cannot wait for the Troy effect to kick in. <laughs> certainly. Well, you heard it here, guys. As Tommy Mooney has said, that Birmingham City are the team to watch this season. The team that are going up. I've said it on the podcast before. Birmingham City are going up in our predictions. I said they'd finish fourth this season. That was it. Was it was not a great decision for me to say it at the time. I can, I can just, as a disclaimer, I can only say I've only seen the game against Derby, but I'm still happy to happy to put my 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 head on the block purely because I, I don't think that well, there's certainly not another team where I would say yeah they'll be they'll be in and around it, you know. And and all of my experiences of promotion are through the playoffs with Birmingham, with Watford. We finished sixth. We we cruise the playoffs, um, and it's the best way to do it. I was going to so, say that must be way more exciting than just you know getting that automatic promotion, going to Wembley, and you know that the whole atmosphere around it. Yeah, I was I, I was very very fortunate Wembley with Watford, and then we all know, and you know the listeners will know about the Millennium Stadium um, against Norwich. So I, I was just incredibly lucky with my experiences of the playoffs. Towards the end of my career, I lost a couple of times in the semi-final in League One and League Two. Um, but two promotions to the Premier League through the playoffs were just amazing. Amazing. Well, 
Well, let's hope that's uh, written in the stars then this yeah, season. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, really, really appreciate you joining us, Tommy. I've really enjoyed our chat. Um, I think I don't know if you've got anything you'd like to add, Joe. Uh, we don't take up too much of your time. No, I'm just just thank you so much, Tommy. You can come back anytime you want. <laughs> I can tell you that for sure. Certainly with the uh, with the way you talk about Birmingham, huge <laughs> fan. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get to talk again soon. That'd be great. Enjoyed it, fellas. Thank you very much. Thanks for very much, Tom. Tommy. Thank you. Bye bye. So here we are at St Andrews, a few minutes to kick off. Myself, Alex and Joe, my co-host, we're going to give you our pre-match predictions. Uh, Joe, uh, what are you thinking? We've had a couple of beers now, we're feeling, beers. We're feeling good, but, but what are you thinking? Uh, I'm a bit nervous. Um, I've seen the Fulham team is very strong, the bench is very strong, as expected. Mm. But uh, I don't care because it's going to be 3-0 Blues. Wow, wow, that is optimism. Uh, earlier, before I'd had a couple of beers, I was thinking 1-1, one, one, and I'd be very happy with that. But now I've had a couple, I want to go 2-1 Blues. Two Come on, blues. Keep Come on, on. keep on. Welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. Um, what a great interview with Tommy. Really enjoyed it. He's... Uh, <laughs> clearly got a real insight into the game and, and I learned a lot just from talking to him for an hour and hopefully we'll be able to speak to him more as uh, as uh, the season progresses. We've not got much time left for this show so we're going to move straight into our roundup of the week's uh, results. Um, the results from Tuesday night and Wednesday night uh, and then at the very end of the show we'll obviously do our roundup of the Blues game as they took on Fulham. Uh, so where to begin? Why don't we start with Bristol City drawing 1-1 with Luton. Uh, it doesn't seem to do either team many favours <laughs> um, both are sort of plodding along at this stage of the season. I think mm. it's fair to say. I think I'm, uh, 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 the uh, more and more the season goes along, the more and more underwhelmed I get by Luton. <laughs> ever since, ever since the their five nil drubbing to Blues, I don't think they've really recovered. Mm, mm. Um, they just don't seem to have that 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 bit between their teeth that we kind of expected from them. You know we. We expected him to be a bit more rigid, a bit more solid, and and kind of just you know we we thought they would be more than willing to just grind results out, but they just don't seem that way. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, the, the draw there moves both teams onto nine points. Um, but you start to wonder: is it going to be one of those seasons where they 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 sit in mid table and one of the teams either pushes up towards the playoffs or slips towards the relegation zone? They they really are sort of teetering in, in that a, middle zone. A, at the it's moment. a tricky. It's a really tricky one for them because it you know all they need is one slightly bad spell or one slightly good spell and and they're at completely opposite ends of the table for both of them really. Yeah. But it is also the kind of game you look at for Bristol City and you think coming away with a point from. From Luton, from from a Luton Town team at home, mm. maybe they'll be a bit disappointed with that. Yeah, yeah, you know, certainly I know that um, I know that that Bristol City have higher ambitions than what they are, mm. uh, and it's just it's not quite clicking for them for whatever reason. Is it Nigel Pearson in charge? It, that's correct. Uh, yeah. I know for you know he's he's an experienced Championship manager who will certainly be thinking about you know he wants his team to be towards the other end of the table. Absolutely, um, yeah. So. Well, it was it was heartbreak for them, really. You know, Luton there with with a late winner from Danny Hilton in the ninety first minute. But yes, absolutely, um, drawing at home to Luton, perhaps not uh, what Bristol would have wanted from the game. Moving on, then Coventry beating Cardiff City one nil. Coventry are now on fifteen points, Joe, your disgusting. favourite team. It's fifteen disgusting. points. They're on the same amount of points as Bournemouth and West Brom. They're only a point behind Fulham. Uh, 
Coventry have started so strongly. They've been so good at home. At home is the key at that crappy named stadium. What's it called again? The Coventry Building. Oh God, something. Building Society Stadium. I don't. I don't. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cardiff are, are a very, very good side. They've got a lot of experienced Championship players in that side. So for Coventry to have to have beaten them is a very, very positive result. Um, yeah. Coventry started so strongly. Are they going to be that team that drops like a stone though? Yes. There's always yes. one or two. They will. They will. Them and them and uh, who's the other team? I said I don't really care about them anymore. I just want Coventry to. I think Huddersfield. Was it Huddersfield? Yeah. Huddersfield, I think said. yeah. Coventry and Huddersfield yeah. will be the two that will drop. Um, but let's move swiftly on because I don't care about them. Well, yeah, we do need to talk about this one in a little bit more depth, and we mentioned it in our interview with Tommy. Um, Chris Hutton's last game uh, with Nottingham Forest as they were beaten two 0 at home to Middlesbrough. Um, yeah, I mean, Forest bottom of the table, seven games played, one point. Desperate times. It was probably the right decision to sack the manager and hope that they can I get, think a, so. get that new manager bounce and start to get some points on the board. Yeah, the, the, so the, the managers that they've been linked with, mm. obviously in the immediate aftermath, uh, one of them is Chris Wilder. I've heard that, yeah. Uh, which I don't think would be a bad move. You no. know, We've seen what he can do. Mm. Um, and of course, the other one being John Terry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> come, on. <laughs> come on! I mean, it would be it's a it would be a big big task for him. But who knows? Maybe, maybe. I just I can't maybe. see that they've got to go with a bit more experience. Yeah, absolutely. They do. There was, who else was there? I, I did read. They should go for someone like Gary Monk or something like that. I know that you know people talk about Gary Monk and, and what goes on with I think his, his agent James Featherstone and how they've been dodging trying to sign up younger players and sign them to dodgy contracts and things like that there's all this speculation but I think they need a solid championship manager that knows the league that can grind out some results I would say someone like a Neil Warnock but obviously he's working hard at Middlesbrough and they seem to have picked up a bit now um, they need someone of that ilk someone that knows the league going for John Terry when when they're in this state I think would be suicide but I wouldn't put it past the Nottingham Forest board to do that <laughs> let's be completely true. honest true uh, we're going to have to keep moving because the time is against us. Uh, Stoke drew 1-1 with Barnsley. There was huge incidents in this game as well. Three coaching staff getting sent off. It all kicked off, didn't it? It was absolutely mental. I've actually I've got the video on my phone right now. It was, mm. a, it was a push and a shove and then it all... It, emotions were high in mm. this one. And uh, but, but on the on the field and more importantly the result for Barnsley is a positive one mm. i think you know stoke city would have in the way they started mm. their season compared to the way barnsley have that's a fantastic result definitely definitely uh, stoke have started so well and for barnsley to go there get themselves a very very good point moving on to seven points um starting to pull away a little bit from that from that uh, pack Towards the bottom of the table, just just gaining a little yeah. bit of uh, a little bit of momentum. Yeah, you gave me the it. look there. Before. He said it. He said it. It had to be said. But uh, that's what that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, it's it's really important. It, it, you know, we can we can <laughs> we can just uh, we can edit that. Out. That's fine. Um, <laughs> we, we, I mean, okay, we've got we're getting off topic again. Yeah, but. It's so important to 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 get a result like that away from home. because mm. I think Stoke City were unbeaten, are still unbeaten at yeah, home as well. I think that's, that's a really good result mm. for Barnsley, and I think it could be the kind of result that just sees them drift towards mid-table, which is exactly where they'll want to be, the way they've started. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then the final game that was uh, from last night, of course, ignoring the Blues game just for now, uh, was Swansea drawing one uh, nil nil. Sorry, with uh, Gary Rowett's Millwall. Mm. Uh, both teams still down there. Millwall on seven points, and you'd expect a Rowett side to to pick up those points on the road the way that they the way that they've set up. 
But Swansea, six points, only a point above the relegation zone, seven games played now. They've not really shown any signs yet of, of really pushing on. This is, this is a team that was in the Premier League very recently. Russell, the Russell Martin experiment, is it working? No, it's not. It's not going the way the, certainly the board would have wanted it to go, or the fans. And, uh, but uh, just touching on Millwall slightly, we've, we've talked about them quite positively in the last few weeks, mm. but they are just slipping away a bit. A couple of hard games, that's not, yeah. that's not you know, Fulham, um, West Brom and then Swansea. Mm. Swansea of them are the easiest of them, but they're still a good side. Yeah. Sort of, so so it's, not, it's not, you know, alarm bells ringing quite yet. But certainly something that they'll want to look at turning some of these draws into wins is uh, is the kind of thing that can come back to bite you. Because it's all well and good having this great run of form. If you're not getting results, it doesn't matter. Mm. And that's mm. what Millwall needed to really needed out of this game. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and to keep us moving, we're going to have to look at uh, Tuesday's uh, results. Uh, Blackburn beating Hull 2-0. Uh, they seem to be picking up a little bit now, Blackburn. Um, yeah. You know, they're up to eighth in the league, 12 points, only a point behind Huddersfield in sixth. So, yeah, they're starting to pick up. Hull, on the other hand, same amount of points as Blackpool, but they're just outside of the relegation zone. I was going to say, yeah, so I think... It's tight. Ever since their opening day uh, massive win, really, yeah, they, yeah. Haven't, they, have, they haven't performed at no. all. And they are slipping, and you can kind of see... Their lack of quality, uh, and it is shining through a bit, and uh, and it's it's worrying for them because you do fear that these kinds of these kinds of uh, games where you know yes you're away from home at an established championship team, but Hull City are an established championship team. They they drop down, they, sorry about that. They drop down to um, to League One very mm. briefly, but they came straight back up, and you'd expect them to to pick up where they'd left off and. And keep trying to keep trying to keep going, but they just they they can't, and I can't quite put my finger on why. No, it's it's, it's a difficult one, um, one for us to to worry about another time, mm. uh, as time is against us. Uh, Huddersfield, a three 0 win away at Blackpool, which is which is remarkable. They they keep going Huddersfield even after yeah. the knockback of losing to Stoke last week. Uh, they are on to thirteen points uh, after seven games. The Terriers. Where have they come from this season? I'd I really know, not expected they, this. They are barking loudly and they're making waves in the league, let's say. Yeah. And uh, certainly the kind of performance, it was just so controlled, they, they just dominated the game. And Blackpool, they, they weren't particularly bad. They, Huddersfield were just very, very good on the mm, day. Mm, mm. Yeah, the stats certainly would bear that out, absolutely. Uh, and then moving on to what I thought was probably the blockbuster fixture oh, from God. midweek, is Bournemouth versus QPR. Both what a teams, game. Both teams started so so well uh, this season. There was a 2-1 win there for mm. uh, Bournemouth. Um, what do we make of this one? Well, I, mean, I, w- I watched this game. This was, this, of course, it, all of these games were live on Sky. You could all you could flip between them, but I kept I kept my screen firmly on Bournemouth QPR, and it 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 started off QPR were really poor mm. to start off. The first half an hour was all Bournemouth, and really Bournemouth should have pulled ahead maybe maybe four or five goals wow, uh, seriously wow. they were they they completely controlled it and QPR couldn't get anywhere near uh Travers's net but then in the second half there was a couple of changes a couple of tweaks and after Bournemouth took a two goal lead QPR burst into life wow. and uh, and the last 10 minutes I haven't seen a goalkeeper make as many saves as as Mark uh, is it Mark Travers or something yeah, like yeah. that yeah, yeah. Uh, he made some phenomenal saves 
Uh, I actually texted you straight after the game saying he should be the highest rated goalkeeper on FIFA. Only 22. 22 years of age. And do you know what? He's better than Ramsdale. Whoa, he said it. Wow. <laughs> if Ramsdale's worth 30 million, that performance makes him worth 50. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're getting a bit wild. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move on then. Sheffield United, Preston North End. It was a 2-2 draw. Now this one, Wow. <laughs> Sheffield United took an early lead through Morgan Gibbs-White um, Preston equalised shortly after that and then everything settled down the game was a bit backwards and forwards Sanderberg comes forward scores in the 84th minute to make it 2-1 to the Blades you're thinking surely they're home and dry but no in the 94th minute Preston get their equaliser with what what was I think the last kick of the game uh, to take a point from Bramall Lane Sheffield United, just when they seemed like they were getting somewhere, they got a really good result, and now they've been pegged back again late on. They've got a, they've still got a problem there, haven't but they? But they finally found goals, haven't they? They have, they So they've, so, they've sorted that side of the game out. Now they need to find a balance. Uh, of course, I mean, it's easy to look at their... Was it 6-2, I think? It was. Over it's, easy, it's, it's easy to look at that, but then you also have to look at the fact they conceded two goals to quite a poor Peter Preside. Mm. And that's an issue. Or it could be an issue, anyway. And... Against Preston North End, who aren't a terrible side, they aren't amazing. They're mm. not gonna, you know, they're, they're not gonna cause Fulham or anyone like that any major troubles, you know, on a consistent basis. But they can do it on their day, and uh, and Sheffield United kind of made it easier for them in that last few minutes. You know, Sanderberger gets that goal. You think you're at home, you've got the crowd behind you, you should be able to dig in. But they just they didn't seem to want it enough. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, a still a problem for Jokanovic, but they, they they certainly have turned a corner. You think the blades and I, as I predicted uh, at the very start of the season, I think they will end up. Well, I've predicted them to be in the playoffs. I think they'll they'll be part of the the question. I think uh, later on this season, I think they'll, they'll recover. For it. I yeah. think they'll recover. Uh, moving on, there we've got two more fixtures to discuss before we move on to the uh, Blues Fulham game. Reading beating Peterborough United three one. Now this was a big game at the other end of the table, um, in terms of sorry at the the bottom end of the table. We know that Peterborough have, have shown one or two signs of fight so far this season, running West Brom very close. But this was a game they really could have done with getting something from. Uh, it really it, it boosts Reading away from the, the, that drop zone. A big, big win for them. Um, yeah, what, what did you make of this one? I think it's the result that Reading needed. Uh, and I think the performance against QPR, despite the late equaliser, mm. uh, has really given them the confidence to go out and play the football that they can play. Mm. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them with a with a strong couple of weeks now going forward. And I think uh, I think they'll have a, a a fairly uneventful mid-table finish now with uh, this kind of performance. It's just it will be it will be a nice base for them to to build off of and to and to slowly but surely climb the table and. You know, finish about you know tenth, eleventh place, and and go under the radar this season. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And then finally, for this section of the show, West Brom held at home by Wayne Rooney's Derby County, a nil-nil draw. From what I can read from the match reports for this game, it was a boring snooze fest at the Hawthorns. It's not easy to beat Derby County at home, is it? No. Uh, only the elite teams. Only can the do. elite. Only the elite <laughs> of the elite can do this. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was West Brom just got it wrong. They couldn't, mm. they just couldn't break down a, a very rigid Derby team, who uh, who wanted, who clearly wanted a point. They were they they were there to prove a point, yeah. And uh, and they came away with a point, and uh, and they deserved it as well. Fair play to Derby. Well done. Yeah, a really really good point, good point for, yeah, for really the Rams and the rumours uh, this morning that there there's an impending 
points deduction coming yeah. their way of nine points this season and three next season was what mm, I read. Uh, if, um, if, where will, are they? Where are they now? That, well, they are currently sixteenth with seven points, but a, a nine-point so, deduction would give them an absolute mountain to climb. Yes, it would. Um, it would be crazy for them and Forest to both go down to League One in the same season. Oh, God, imagine that. Um, oh God, imagine the scenes in League One next season <laughs> of that game. Yeah, yeah, big derby. It'd be super cheap. We'd have to get ourselves to that. Derby, derby. Um, yeah, that's that's a real worry for the Rams. Um, but yeah, West Brom, they've dropped into second after that and Fulham are now on top. And I think that's the way it'll stay. I think so. They might swap one or two more times is it, before it opens up a little bit because obviously we've still got... I always think you've got to give it 10, 11, 12 games before you can really look at the table properly. But I think... West Brom will I wouldn't be surprised second. if Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth mm, jump in yeah. the mix there for automatic promotion. They're part, they are they've, part of the they've, they've started to pick up a bit of steam. Mm. I think are they third, mm. um, and they're joint on points with West Brom. Uncommentary. Uh, so I wouldn't <laughs> shut up. Uh, and I think they'll sneak. I, th- I think I think that Fulham will finish second. Wow. No, they won't. They finish first. Wow. Obviously, obviously they'll finish first. But I think it'll be Fulham then Bournemouth. Okay. If I could go back and change my prediction, it'll be Fulham Bournemouth. And West Brom will be, which I think is what I said in the uh, mm. in my predictions. I can't remember. My notebook is at home, oh, and no. this is the first time since doing demo recordings mm. that me and Alex are recording together because of the room. Fulham game yesterday and because of the Tommy interview. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a bit different recording in person. Yeah, it, it feels kind of weird. It gets a lot warmer in this room when it you're does. you're in it, but that's that's fine. <laughs> we have to keep the, keep the window shut because otherwise you just hear I don't know people cars going past and all sorts. So it's we're very professional here. We are very professional, but it does mean that we get very sweaty, yeah, <laughs> very yeah, we warm. Do. We do. Um, <laughs> it's a small room. This it is quite small. It's my little office. Anyway, we don't want to go into too much information. <laughs> people don't really care about that. We don't really have time to. No, we've got to move on. Um, we're going to do a final little um, review of the Blues Fulham game, uh, and then we will get out of your hair. Yeah. So we were there last night. Uh, are we not going to do a jingle in between? No, just get on with it, mate. No? Okay. Let's just Very get on with it. We've only been looking at uh, <laughs> We can do a quick 10 minutes and then we'll be done. So, I was thinking, um, before we get do stars and stinkers, the way the game started, I was thinking we should just discuss this. The way the game started, I thought we were going to absolutely steamroll for them. The way, those first few minutes yeah, before... We, I agree. Before they scored in the 10th minute, which was a bit of a poor, uh, you know, from the corner, we were, the, the defending was very poor. But the way we went out and the pressing, the aggressiveness, we just seemed like we were so on the front foot. It was only a matter of time before the chances started to come and then a goal. Um, you just you just feel if they didn't get that goal from the corner, mm. where would the game have gone? Yeah. Because they didn't really have any other chances. Mm. I mean, they did have an early one where uh, where Sarkic made a good save down to his right-hand side. Mm. Um uh, and it was it was actually against Harry Wilson. Actually, maybe a bit disappointing from Harry Wilson, yeah. that kind of finish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's by the by. Uh, the the goal from who scored it was it Dennis Adoy? Yeah, oh, that bloody it. song <laughs> rings around in my head from the Fulham fans. Um, but it, it, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Blues fans saying that it should have been a foul on. I think Jeremy Bella. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Chalaber blocked his run, kind of like in in basketball when you when you check someone's run. Mm. It's not a foul. It's a, it's it's actually quite good zonal. Not zonal, it's not zonal mark, it's that zonal attacking almost. You put yourself there yeah. so someone can make a run and you mm. block the, the mm. run of the defender. I think it's quite mm. clever, actually. Well, it was well worked. Um, yeah. But the defending was quite poor. You, you can't let a six foot two, like known for his heading attacker, get mm. that kind of space in a box. But mm. anyway, it, it Blues, and even after the goal, Blues stayed on top, I think. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure on the stats. 
uh, to be honest. Uh, I know you're you're about to just get them up here, uh, but you know, I mean, looking at the XG, I know we, we haven't we never really use XG, but it should have been three two to Fulham if you're rounding up. It was mm. two point one for Blues, two point six for Fulham. And I think a 2-2 draw would have probably been about right on the way the game went. The balance of, of play, I think that is about right. You look at the amount of shots that the teams had. There were 18 shots from Birmingham with 7 on target. Um, and then the 15 shots from Fulham with 10 on target. So it just goes to show how much more clinical uh, Fulham I think were. that's the key word, clinical. Yeah. They, were, they just had that cutting edge. And then the moment, you know, at half-time, I remember mentioning... Uh, I think it, it was you that mentioned it. it wasn't. It wasn't Joe. I think it was you that said it. Uh, where you say this game can go one of two ways now mm-hmm. we'll get an early goal and mm-hmm. it'll be a real fight yeah. or we'll be pushing and then they'll just blow us away and that's what happened mm-hmm. unfortunately and that's what's going that's what's going to happen in a game against a team like Fulham mm-hmm. we got I mean the silver lining of the Troy Deeney goal yeah absolutely I, I thought um, you know for Deeney to come on when he did um, and to, to make the I mean he played nearly a full half of football which is good so it's an, in, an increase on the amount of minutes he played in the game previously um, but yeah he took the, the penalty with a plumb didn't he? he he was only going to be him that took it the moment it was awarded he, he wouldn't let go of the ball he was he was adamant <laughs> he wanted um, it and as we know from Tommy earlier we know mm. how important it is to, to get your first goal and and uh, and it's, it's, it's good to know what he said about Troy about his fitness uh, I think it is, so. It is just sharpness, and that is something that you can regain far quicker than than fitness. I think mm. um, just you know a couple of games, and I think a game against Peterborough might be the very thing that would suit him. You know, go to a team and, and try and bully the defenders as yeah. as he'd want to do. Yeah. But we'll have to wait and see, see mm. what happens. Yeah. Uh, should we do our stars and stinkers as we try and go for it? Yeah. Uh, try it? So uh, it's hard to pick out stars in a game like this, of course. And this will sound very strange, but my first star is Matthias Sarkic. Oh, that's why I was a couple of good, He made a couple of good saves. Mm. Um, a, a couple off of Harry Wilson, who had six shots on target, by the way. Absolutely mm. obscene numbers. <laughs> um, I know that uh, the, our good friend, uh, another Joe of ours, yeah. uh, he he was just going, he was sat next to me the whole time going, I've never seen someone have six shots on target, not for a long time. <laughs> and uh, so he was very happy with that. Mm. Um, but... He made a couple of good saves off of him, and he seen. I mean, none of the goals when you look back at it. One was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Harry Wilson goal. I think Harry Wilson scored. It and does, I, yeah. the, the other two, the two goals in the second half were just good play from Fulham and yeah, uh, yeah. almost a tap in the kind of thing where you, there's nothing that a goalkeeper can do in that yeah. situation. No, agreed. That's my first star. Agreed. Have you got a star? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a difficult one when you know you've just been beaten for four one at home, but. But I, I was really impressed with Maxime Collam last night. I thought there were lots we love of... Maxime he won the ball in really good areas and, and got up the pitch and, and, and seemed to be having a real influence on the game, particularly in the first half um, when Blues were, were a bit more on top. He, Absolutely. He was, yeah, those those marauding runs. He was even sort of coming a bit more central at times to keep the play moving. Um, yeah, I think um, Maxime Collam has been fantastic so far this season in, in that uh, right wing-back role, but I think this might have been his best... Uh, in terms of attacking side of the game, I think so. It's I think so. There. I think maybe maybe we just need to find a bit more of a balance about uh, about the play there. Because uh, mm. is there a way for what he, we'll get onto one of my stingers in a minute, and we'll and we'll say that in a minute. But we try and like to get three stars at least out of a game. Mm. And I think the easy one to pick out is Troy Deeney getting the first goal, and also he had a, he had a headed chance as well. It was tip, well tipped over the bar yeah. by. By the Spurs reject. He did have a good game. He was very composed, very calm. Mm. Um, he's a good goal. He's a good goalkeeper. He's just not good enough for Tottenham Hotspur, apparently. <laughs> um, anyway, so stinkers. 
Oh God! We're only going to pick three, remember? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's quite harsh to call some of these games stinkers, but my first stinker is Mark Roberts. Uh, that, that's exactly who I had in mind as well. Uh, he, he just didn't. He just couldn't contain that Fulham, the, the Fulham front line. Our back three couldn't contain the Fulham no, front line no, for a while. We we done well in the press, but if mm. they broke the press, then you could see that we were in trouble. Yeah. No one, you know, Mark Harley and Chris, they couldn't handle any of the play and you can't blame them. there's so many defenders in the championship that won't be able to handle that kind of play exactly and it's it's and that's where you know you get the penalty coming from is those sort of having to make those rash last split second decisions you know because you've, you've got yourself into an awkward position you're having Absolutely. to do do those sorts of things yeah i'd completely agree with roberts has got to be one of them another stinker um, I think it's perhaps one of Ivan Sunic's weakest Ivan as well. Sunic, yeah. He seemed to struggle to sort of keep up with Fulham. They sort of played it around him a lot. I think, you know, Ryan Woods next to him had quite a good game again, quietly. He sort did, of yeah. He, did. He, could, he could have very easily been one of the stars, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I think for Sunic, um, for him to be as, as at his most effective, we know he likes to win the ball and be quite physical. He seemed to struggle to sort of get near to, to the Fulham midfield. And, and often, actually, some, some sort of... Passes going astray from him, quite simple passes at times. It it just seemed to me like he wasn't quite at it um, last night. I mean, because I, I, I do remember during the Derby game, there were some nice triangles between like where Collan would lay the ball off to Sunic and then mm. make a run and Sunic would get it back to him. Yeah. And they just couldn't seem to, to make that happen tonight. Maybe that's good defending on Fulham's part yeah, yeah. as well. But uh, my la- the last stinker, at least in my opinion... And you're, you're you, gonna, you've just I given think, me the look. I know what you're going to say. Uh, it's, it's, it's Scott Hogan. Uh, of course, he was hauled off for Troy Deeney. Mm. Um, he, but for me, in the first half, yes, the press was good, but I didn't see him leading the press. No. Leading the press, it was it was Juki and Chong mostly, mm. and Jeremy Bella using his pace. To, and Hogan seemed to just kind of disappear in the game. He, I didn't see him at all. Even when we got into the final third, he kind of drifted away and he, he wasn't involved. And one thing I really don't like about the about the game yesterday is how much Juki is out wide. Because mm. then he's getting out wide and he's making the play happen. Yeah. And then it's getting laid off to Colan or Bella or Chong for a cross. Mm. And they're crossing it into Hogan. But Hogan's not going to win a header. No. Again, not against that Fulham defence anyway. No. But Juki will. Mm. So what really they should be swapping roles where Juki yeah. kind of doesn't touch the ball mm. until it's crossed in and he gets a header. Uh, yeah, we need those energy levels. From yeah, Scott I think Hogan, so. And, and, yeah. and, but I think that having... As we as we talked about earlier with uh, with Tommy having the array of talent that we do now, it's about finding the balance of who's going to play when and where, mm. uh, and with who is the biggest one. So Juki and and Troy together, I would be interested to see a Juki and Troy together with how. I mean, we'd probably be crossing the ball in fifty times a game, but um, <laughs> if one of them turns into a goal and we win one 0 that's not a problem. Well, that's that's very true. Very true. I was almost half tempted, and this is me probably being a little bit dramatic, to consider Tahith Chong as a stinker. Uh, and the, the was, only reason I say that is because I think it's yeah, it's his most difficult game. He's got we've got such high standards. He'll have high standards for himself. Yeah, he'll I be think, disappointed with his game. I think he was. This is probably the, the most we've seen him struggle. I certainly saw a bit of tiredness in his legs for mm. sure. Mm. Um, I mean, he got he got subbed off. I, I got I was confused when Bella got subbed off for Gardner. Yeah. Um, I thought that was quite a negative move when your three goes down. But Gardner actually done quite well. He hit the bar and he, he was he, good. Yeah, uh, very effective. He, he, so uh, you know, fair play to to Lee. He apparently he knows what he's doing more than I do. So you know. <laughs> I have to hold my hands up for that one. Fair play, thank God. But uh, yeah, thank yeah, thank the Lord. But um, I think that I I wouldn't put Chong in the stinker bit purely because he wasn't as bad as the rest. But he, you're right, we do have such high standards for him. 
but uh, I'm I'm more than happy with with the way he's played so far. Yeah. I think there was definitely tiredness there. He's yeah, played he, a lot. he can't play at that level that he has, and and the, particularly the role he plays. Mm. He, you know, every week, when, especially when the games come thick and fast, you've got a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. It's, Absolutely, there needs to be a degree of rotation, and I think you know that that is a, another slight headache for for Bowyer to to figure out with the team. Yeah, it is, and let's not forget, you know, the boy's 21 years of age. He's mm. he's still gonna he's still got plenty of time to to work on his. That's why he's come to us really to work on his. His fitness and physicality. You don't send a player to Birmingham to work on their technical ability. You send someone there to to to. to well, how incredibly to... rude! What, <laughs> what do you mean? He's very cultured football at Birmingham City. But yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Okay. Anyway, anyway. we're going to have to wrap up, aren't we? Because we've yeah, gone I think over. So. I think. Um, so yeah, we'll be back uh, next. Well, this will be out on the Friday. We'll be back recording again after Saturday's game. Probably. It's relentless, isn't it? It is. Probably on Sunday or Monday. I yeah, imagine. we'll figure something out. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll have more, more episodes coming your way. It's, it's, all, uh, it's all happening. So, as usual, make sure you get in touch on Twitter and Instagram at Royal Blue Pod. Uh, what's the email again, Jay? Do you, how do you not know I the I can't email? remember it because there's so many different ones. It's and... just it's so simple, guys. It's royalbluepodcast at gmail.com. There we go. How do you not remember that? That's well said, sir. And we'll sign off, as always, with... Keep right on. Keep right on.